Turn again to Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin our reading this morning at verse 57 and then read through the end of this chapter. Luke 1, beginning at verse 57. What we hear now is God's Word. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah, after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his prophet, his father Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you would go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew, and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we have come this morning to the fourth Sunday of Advent, the fourth Sunday of our preparation for the celebration of the coming of Jesus Christ. We've been looking for the last several weeks at Luke chapter 1. And we saw there how even God himself was preparing for the celebration of the coming of Jesus. God would send an angel to announce to Zechariah that the forerunner was going to be born. 
that, uh, that prophet to come before the great Son of God. We saw the angel go to Mary and speak to her, telling her about this son that was to be born to her, the Son of the Most High. And we saw Mary's song of praise, not a song of praise about Mary, a song of praise from Mary. Praise to God for what he was doing. Praise surrounding the preparation of the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. We see that praise continuing today in our story of the birth of John, how John's birth continues to bring praise to God, praise from uh, the crowd that is there, and praise from Zechariah himself, that we might join in this praise at this time of year. We read in verse 57, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. So it's been about nine months now waiting for this child to come, and just as was prophesied, she has a child, and it is a son, and they rejoice. We read that her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. There is joy, there is praise, there is celebration around the birth of this son who will be the forerunner of the Messiah. And that celebration continues, and on the eighth day, it is time for him to be circumcised where they give him his name. We read, on the eighth, when the eighth day came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. Well, that made perfect sense, especially with this special child. This one who, uh, who was promised, who is coming now, we're certainly going to name him in the family line, in the line of Zechariah. In the midst of all this celebration, all this praise going on, we hear a contrary voice. No. No, no, you're not going to call him Zechariah. He shall be called John. His mother speaks up and says, we're not going to name him what all of you expect. We're going to name him John, not Zechariah. Well, the crowd wanting to continue on uh, appeals to the father and says, you know, make signs to him. Certainly you want us to call him after you. He would be named after you, this special child. And Zechariah, wanting to make sure he is not misunderstood, calls for a tablet and writes down his name is John. And they are all amazed. They all wonder. His name is John. In fact, emphatically, John, he writes, John is his name. The name that God had given to him. The name the angel spoke to him. John is his name. John meaning God is gracious. God is gracious. This family had, had seen the grace of God. Grace upon a barren woman, too old to have children. God's grace upon her. And God's grace to rest upon this child, this special one. The people are amazed. And we read, and fear came upon the neighbors, and all these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. He shall be called John. 
God is gracious. The hand of the Lord will be with this one to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus Christ. And as, as Zechariah writes, John is his name, we read in verse 64, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. He speaks. He'd been silent for so many months. Now he speaks, and the people praise God for that. Once again, God is active. God is gracious. This one whose speech had been taken away because he did not believe, now is restored. Restored exactly as God had promised. God is at work. God is gracious. The wondering crowd, the astonished crowd, yet gathers to give praise. Praise to God for what he is doing in the family of Zechariah and what he will do through this child. What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. God is at work. God is preparing the way for the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, they praise. They praise God for what he is doing. I'm always struck when I Read those words uh, in verse 64. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, according to the fulfillment of the word that was spoken earlier. Back in Luke chapter 1, verse 20, the angel says, Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak till the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Here we have the fulfilling of the words. Here we have the name John being given. He, uh, Zechariah had asked earlier in unbelief, how is this possible? And now as he expresses that faith, John is his name. Immediately. His mouth is opened. Immediately, he is now able to join in that praise with the crowd. I can't help but wonder, during all those months that John was unable to speak, if he thought about what his first words might be, would he tell the full story of what happened, how the angel came, how he was given this instruction to call the child John and he didn't believe what was going on, would he tell that story? Would he perhaps speak to his wife Elizabeth? She had not heard his voice for many months now. Would he speak to her first? I suppose it's just speculation on my part because when, when the event happens, when the event happens and he writes, John is his name, immediately his mouth is opened, his tongue is loose, and he spoke, blessing to God. That's his first words. Blessing to God. Praise to God for what he was doing in fulfilling this word to him and Elizabeth, in having this son come forth, in having him be the, the forerunner of the Messiah. And this, this father now speaks in praise of God. Filled with the Spirit, we read. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesied. And he picks up beautiful Old Testament imagery to give content to his praise of what God was doing. This song of Zechariah, often referred to as the Benedictus, 
the benedictus, which again comes from that first Latin word, blessed, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Zechariah praises God, for he has sent a redeemer. Blessed be the Lord God, he has visited and redeemed his people. Redemption, children, speaks about buying something, paying a price to buy something. If uh, someone uh, had a huge debt and had to sell themselves into slavery, someone else could pay a redemption price to, to get them out of that slavery. There was a ransom that could be paid. Uh, there were ways when if you had to sell your property to pay off a debt, you could later pay money and get that property back, redeem that property. A purchase was made to restore what had been lost. God has sent a redeemer to redeem his people. They had been sold into slavery. Not a physical slavery, a slavery to sin, in the bondage to sin, and unable to pay the price to get themselves out. But God sent a Redeemer, one who would come and ransom them, who would pay the price. In the Old Testament legislation, there were rules that the firstborn of everyone belonged to God. And yet there was a redemption price that could be paid to redeem that firstborn. Israel is God's firstborn. They're described that way. God's firstborn. And he is now redeeming them. He is buying them back from their slavery to sin. The price, the price of that redemption to redeem his firstborn Israel would be the life of his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He would be sent to pay that redemption cost. Uh, he says, God has visited and redeemed his people. He speaks beyond what he could even understand. God would visit his people in the flesh and blood of his Son, Jesus Christ. God himself sending him to pay the price. God himself sending him that cost being his own blood shed on the cross to redeem his people. He has visited. He has redeemed his people. And that's why we celebrate. That is part of our preparation. That's part of our celebration at Christmas time. That God sent a redeemer. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for sin, the price we could not pay. Jesus Christ came and with his own blood redeemed us for his very own. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people. He goes on, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He has raised up a horn of salvation of salvation. Now kids, when Zechariah says a horn of salvation, he doesn't mean a horn like a trumpet or a French horn or that kind of thing, a horn. 
A horn of salvation was a picture of strength. The horn was a picture of power. I can remember growing up, um, we would sometimes watch an uh, old, old TV show. I don't even know if it's still on anymore, probably not. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins. And, and there'd be these, these wonderful nature shows. I, I can remember so vividly a show about big horned sheep. And these sheep kids with really big horns. And I can remember the picture of these, these sheep hitting each other again and again to show who was dominant, who was, who was most powerful. The power of a horn. That's what's being talked about here. He has raised up a horn, a strength, a power of salvation for his people. And he has raised that horn of salvation in the house of his servant David, a king who would come, a mighty king, a powerful king, who would come to be the savior of his people. He would come, Jesus Christ, this king in the line of David, and do everything necessary to accomplish our salvation. That was his power. He didn't come simply to make salvation possible if you would choose to do your part. He didn't come to make an offer of salvation. He came in His power, in His strength, to do everything necessary to fully accomplish the work of our salvation. Jesus Christ, the horn of salvation, does it all. Does absolutely everything necessary. This one who comes in David's line. This great king of his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. That's why we praise. That's why we celebrate. That's why we rejoice. We've been redeemed by a powerful, complete, total Savior. A king in David's line. He goes on to say, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Zechariah praises God because he sent safety and salvation from enemies. Now certainly in Israel, they were looking for a savior from their, their temporal enemies. God sends a savior from our ultimate enemy. Not simply uh, uh, those around us, but uh, our ultimate enemy, Satan, who has been warring against the church, against God's people throughout history. Already back in the Garden of Eden, we see that enmity taking place as Satan comes to tempt and to try. And throughout history, he continues to attack the people of God. And now God has sent one that we should be saved from our enemies, from our greatest enemy, Satan, and the power of death. Oh, we have new life. We have every hope. We have every reason to praise, along with Zechariah, for we have been saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Satan hates the people of God, and yet we've been saved from his hand. We've been saved, Zechariah says, in order that, now being delivered from the hand of our enemies, that we might serve God without fear. We have been saved so that we can serve God. 
serving him not out of fear of who he is, but serving him out of love, serving him with a joyful obedience. We don't, we don't serve God, we don't do things that, ple- that is pleasing to God because we're afraid of going to hell. Our works, no matter how good they are, can't keep us from going to hell. We don't, we don't serve out of fear. We serve out of love, out of devotion, because Christ has defeated our enemy. Christ has taken away hell from our future. Our service is a service of love, a service of devotion, the privilege of serving our God, our King, our Savior. This is part of our celebration, part of our preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. A commitment to to take joy in the things of God, to love the law of God. The law of God has a beautiful place in the life of the believer. As I mentioned earlier before the reading of the law, it teaches us how to show God our gratitude. It teaches us how to say thank you for this glorious Christmas gift that God has given to us. We serve without fear. We serve with joy. And he concludes this beautiful song, this beautiful prophecy. We do this because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. God comes to bring light. Light to those who live in darkness. Light to those whose minds are darkened by sin. Light to those who walk in the path of darkness. He brings in the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And in His light, we see the path of light that which will guide our feet into the way of peace. When we walk in His ways, when His Spirit lives and dwells within us, that light of Jesus Christ encouraging us, strengthening us on our way, we might live in a way that is pleasing to Him, saying no to the darkness, not returning to the dark path, but the light of Jesus Christ through the clarity, the beauty of His Word shining upon us, the path of righteousness, the path of peace. We rejoice, we praise God when we walk on that path, when we give Him the glory, the praise, the thanksgiving for what He has done for us. All of this surrounding the birth of John, God is gracious. All of this as that that preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. And we share in that same celebration and we share in that same preparation. Have you prepared your heart for the coming of the Redeemer, the coming of the Savior? Have you recognized Jesus Christ as your only hope, the one who defeats your greatest enemy, Satan himself? Have you placed your trust in him alone? If so, you are ready You are prepared to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. That light of the world which sheds light upon us, whose word gives light to our path. We can walk in the ways of peace.
Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you for your holy word. It reveals to us this beautiful story of the preparation for the coming of your son. The preparation through John, the forerunner. And these wonderful words of Zechariah, the Benedictus, blessed be you, the Lord God of Israel, for you have visited and redeemed your people. We thank you that we can join in that glorious praise. For you in your spirit have visited us, and we have been redeemed from sin and death and hell and the power of Satan himself. Lord God, thank you. Truly, O oh God, may our lives rejoice as we seek to praise you. May we follow you not with fear, but with the joy of obedience, the privilege of service. Strengthen our feet upon that path of peace, Lord God, that you might receive all glory and honor and praise. Accept our prayer, for we offer it in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. We're going to turn to number 311. In